Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you have yep. a hard out or anything? No, I'm great. Okay. Man. All right. Okay. 1030 flight. Okay. Isn't that a song? Isn't that a line in the song? 1030 <coughs> flight. Took flight. <laughs> 9 a.m. <laughs> Zero hour. 9 a.m. No. 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 I'll work on it. <laughs> Welcome to NASCAR America Debrief. Nate Ryan here with Rutledge Wood, Dale Earnhardt Jr. They just finished NASCAR America, the return of Wednesdale. Wednesday's with Dale Jr. Go, and Dale. Hey. Good to have you well, back, yeah, man. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, Thanks for saying you. my name before Dale's. Cause I noticed that. never happened. Well, yeah. It felt I feel, weird, didn't I, it? I feel like you have to say the host name first, right? You're, you're, I think you're the quasi-host I think there. when Dale Jr.'s here, you just say, like, Dale Jr.'s here. <laughs> also, I'm Nate and Rutt's here. Like, <laughs> I would yeah. just follow Dale your Dale Jr. and two other guys yeah, exactly. here on this podcast. I'm, I'm happy NASCAR to be here America. with y'all. Yeah. All right. That so was a fun show. I enjoyed doing the Wednesdales. <laughs> I hate It's weird for me to say that because it's like talking in third person. So I don't. Sure. And I just did, but... I've been I've been off for a month. Uh, we had Isla Rose delivered, and we've been at home with her for and you know enjoying that. But uh, so I haven't really done much. We did have a mock broadcast that we did for the World 600 at Charlotte, and uh, enjoyed that. That's that's our last one before we start uh, doing the real thing in Chicago in a couple of weeks. Um, but otherwise, I haven't done anything, and so it's it's great to get back around the group, you know, and be back in the in the in the new job, I like my new job, so I love I like doing it. And you were talking on the show with Rut about the adrenaline that you felt doing that practice broadcast, yeah. even though, as you said, you know, fake broadcast, no one's hearing it, but you guys, the producers, the people on the crew there, but they, you, despite being stationary for what four hours yeah. watching the Coke Six Hundred, you were completely exhausted <laughs> at the end of right. that experience. I know. I, I I, um, Steve was telling me, he's like, man, you know, you're going to find out that, especially, so think about it like this. People, I, when people told me or anybody told me, man, you know, you got to pace yourself, you're going to get tired. I thought, nah, how can you get tired? You're, you're <laughs> commentating a race in a booth. You, know, you, have, yeah. you have everything around <clears throat> you to be comfortable. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, think about this. There's a lot of things you're doing before the race. You got Friday and Saturday practices and qualifying. You're doing a lot of projects throughout that. You may be doing some produced pieces with Rutledge with the fans and stuff like that. So you got a lot of things you're doing that kind of work on you and run you a little bit. And then you got to do the race. That's the last thing, which is the most important thing. And so I didn't even think about all that and haven't been through that to understand how that would make me feel. We went to do this broadcast uh, this fake broadcast. I'm going to just say it's a fake broadcast. <laughs> we went and did this fake broadcast, and this is the first one we've done at a race. The other fake broadcasts that we did, the mock practices, were in booths in Charlotte while the races were somewhere else. And we're just patching in the feed and calling the race from that. Um, so we don't have the energy and excitement of the track. We're not looking at the facility and watching the cars race. We're just looking at a TV screen and commentating. Made a big difference, didn't so it? So we go to, yeah, we go to Charlotte for the 600. <coughs> we're standing there in the suite, and 
I mean, it's pre-race, and I'm getting excited. I'm like, let's go, let's go. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait to start. And so we start broadcasting, and we only broadcast the first half of the race. We quit at lap 200. So um, we didn't do the second whole second half. <laughs> and I was tired <laughs> when we quit. And I turn, I told my boss, Sam Flood, I said, man, I, I, I was surprised at how wore out I was. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm, some tag me out. At lap 200, I was like, I'm done. I don't. So yeah, I, I didn't know you could get tired. It, you can. It happens. It's real. It, it's tough because just like everybody else that's watching, you know, when people are at home and a caution comes out or or it's at the end of the stage, they they're gonna get up, they're gonna grab a drink, go to the bathroom, whatever, get get ready for the next round. You guys are also having to think constantly about, okay, so all right, well, if these were the points, here's how things are shaping up, yeah. and we know all oh, this guy's really strong here. There's so many things that people I think don't know what are going on yeah. for you guys. I'm sure that that's been a, an interesting thing for you to see how that kind of changes. I'm working overtime, too, because I'm trying to be up to speed with, with Latard and, and Burton and Rick, and they're, they know what they're going to – they know what they're going to face, and so they're they're a little more relaxed. I'm kind of like spinning the wheel overtime and, and, and harder than I need to, and as I get more reps and do more races, I'll probably kind of – calm down and, and relax and not be so high strung but I'm so excited about this too that when we get there I'm like ah oh, you know yay <laughs> we're doing it you know <laughs> even though it's fake you know I'm so excited <laughs> that we're doing a broadcast and I'm I'm want, I'm loving my new job I'm I'm so glad and, and and thankful about it and happy about it and can't wait to be doing it um so I get really excited I don't know I'm, I don't know what I'm gonna do can I ask you a question Nate You've covered a lot of. You've covered a lot. I, I of think people. I'll go back to what you said earlier, Dale and two guys. Now I know, right? Go ahead. So <laughs> sorry. No, you're great. You've covered a lot of people yes. over the years who are in this position. I, I've only seen a handful. I, I saw it with Kyle. Um, have you seen anyone with this level of genuine interest and excitement as Dale is going into the booth? I can't recall anybody at, at this level, but I, I think also. Dale just said it on NASCAR America. I was going to actually ask him about this. This is a good setup. I mean, you talked about this was an easy transition because before you were a driver, you were a fan. Yeah. And now, essentially, like, I feel like that's what it is when I when I see, I, I, obviously, you've always been, like, a real genuine person, and I think that translates well. I think that's why you're a popular personality and, and the fans relate to you so much. But I think also it's it's that fandom, and yes. so th that is that a big part of this is this you know you said that you're going to have to count on the booth guys to kind of hold you back because this is like the super fan experience exactly right I mean and that's a perfect that's a perfect way to put it it's like a super it's like the best experience that any fan could have is right. to go call the race and that's what's happening to me I I um I don't think that if I think that if I wasn't such a big fan and so excited to be seeing the races and and talking about them this would not be that exciting. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be that excited about right. it. It might not, I might not have taken the opportunity to do it. Um, but I, I love, I loved going <laughs> to the races when I was a kid. I could not get enough of it. And so to, to be able to go dial all that, this is, a, this is kind of like all my life throughout all my career, you look back I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years, and you go, those were good times. Those were good times. I wish I could go back and drive late miles again because I didn't really understand how much fun I was having, and I, sh I just loved to experience that one more time. Right. Uh, and you say that about everything. I Man, what if I could go back and do this over again? Well, I get to go back and be a fan again. 
and I get to do it again. And um, I'm excited about uh, you know where the sport's at. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm excited about the things happening in our sport and the personalities that we have in the sport and the guys that I get to work with. You know, Latart, me and him have such a chemistry and a friendship. I've missed being around him. You know, we, we were so close when we worked together on the race cars, and I we would talk. We would we would say every once in a while, like, man, uh, maybe we'll get to work, to get work together again one day, but we weren't. I wasn't sure, you know. I wasn't sure whether he want to, you know. Would even want me in the booth up there bothering him, but he, uh, you know, he's been like, dude, I'm excited. We're back together. This is gonna be great. We're gonna spend some time together. We're getting the band back together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about Burton. You know, I'm a driver. He's a driver. Before I uh, t- took the job, Jeff Burton called me at my house and said, "If you're worried about me, don't be. I'm. I want you to be part of this team. Please, you know, come on and be part of this. We'll have so much fun." And that was really the last domino for me is getting that call from Jeff. No way. Yeah, I was I was uh, I wanted to go with NBC because of Latarte and um, being able to work with him again. And when Jeff called me and said, "I'm good with it," and I was like, "All right, that's it. That's all I needed." Yeah. Because I loved I met Sam Flood, our boss, and I uh, I love him. Great guy. Yep. I like his approach. I like his he's direct and gives you gives you the information you need. It's um, I'm excited. You know, I've said it over and over. When he told you that you and I were going to go to the Super Bowl <laughs> and go ice fishing, right. were you as excited as when you got that call from Burton? Similar, different? Oh, okay. Well, that was a different <laughs> excitement. I mean, I mean, at that point, I have the job, and I'm doing something, you know, that I didn't even know was possible, right? And you had never been ice fishing. Never either, been correct? ice fishing before. <laughs> And I knew that uh, we hadn't spent a lot of time together. No, you know, so that was a. Uh, I knew that I was going to get to know you really well over that experience. And I'm, I, I'm thinking when I took this job with NBC, like, my, they're, they're going to put me at the racetrack, and I'm going to talk about racing. So here they are sending me to the Super Bowl, <laughs> and we had something to do every day. We had a lot of fun things to do. Yeah. We were busy, and uh, I was scared. You know, I was so scared at not screwing up, not looking like an idiot. Making the people that I'm working with go, eh, this guy's going to be okay. <laughs> Not, oh, my God, you know, what a working project. <laughs> what have you know? we done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you, you kept up with Rut really well there, and you, it sounds like you're trying to keep up with Stevie because you said on NASCAR America you've taken up drinking coffee, yeah. which I know is a Steve Wittart thing to the yeah. degree. Well, when he calls for an order, I'll just <laughs> add to it. Yeah. Now, yeah. You should know his orders are that, like, laundry list. It sounds like an L.A. coffee order. Yeah. All right, so. Yeah. When me and Steve were working together, uh, we would go to tests. I think we went to Pikes Peak one time, and he would get the coffee, and I would get hot chocolate with two <laughs> shots of espresso in it. That was my thing till I saw how many calories that was. Sure, you're like, wow, well, I, I just should drink a milkshake yes. instead. Holy cow! So I quit drinking that and just started doing the shots of espresso straight. Um, That's so hardcore, man. I know. So I can do that. I don't really have a preference because I'm not drinking it for the taste. And I know <laughs> coffee drinkers that are real sort, you know, serious coffee drinkers are going to bash me for that. Because Dude, that's, it's like uh, it's the, an jung- art. the Jungle Book didn't do it for me, so I watched The Exorcist now. Like, to, to do <laughs> shots of espresso is so hard on your body. Like that's, I'm so impressed, yeah. man. Well, I, you're gonna, if I need it, I need it. Yeah. Give it to me. All right. Well, welcome to the Coffee Drinking Club. Thank you. We're quite glad to have you aboard. I got one of those uh, machines 
for Christmas. <laughs> mm. What is that? They just stick the little thing in. The, like a Keurig Yeah, style? Keurig. Oh. Yeah. And I got that one with the donut on top. Oh, that's yeah. My favorite. Oh, the donut shop coffee donut shop is delicious. Coffee. Yeah, that's our thing. It's really good. Yep. No cream? Just go. Just yeah, I was going to ask cream or sugar. I do that the I uh, almond milk or and honey. Oh. Hey. These are my wife's options. Wow. So okay. I'm limited. I'm limited as to the option, but I wouldn't. I would rather not do cream because I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I got another race to run, so I have to get in that onesie one more time this year. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I for, need to make you sure. You mentioned I, that during NASCAR America, and Nate. I don't know if you could see Dale, Jared, and I looked at each other <laughs> like, was he supposed to say that? Yeah. Do people know? Because I didn't know you were going to do that. So yeah, drink that terrible almond. I want to be able to fit in the onesie. I think it's great. Have you tried any of those like nut milks, uh, almond milk, cashew milk, or anything? No, my my wife's a big uh, unsweetened vanilla almond milk. That's pretty much all oh, I do. Oh gosh, yeah. we tried one the other day, and it's not that bad. The stuff that yeah. was in the bottom of my cup after I drank it. I don't drink it straight. Are you drinking it straight? No, but like instead of instead of half and half, I just do cream in my coffee. I poured this like almond. Yeah. It wasn't a it wasn't a fancy one. It was an off. Like, hmm, try I'd, this, hippie. I'll put, I'll put uh, <laughs> oh, it was rough. maple syrup in there or honey. It's sugar. Wow. What's sweet? What wow, is maple syrup. What's it going to do to it? We're going to try that. What, are you put, do you put sugar in yours? No, I just okay, do half Okay, well then half. you wouldn't need syrup. But sure. if you, you know, instead of putting sugar in there. Yeah, just handful of sugar. A little maple syrup. I didn't drink I didn't I drink got the maple. I got the maple syrup because of my egos. Sure. I mean, I've got it right there. You have to. Just pour, <laughs> a little my pour a little on your ego. Yeah. I didn't drink coffee till I was like 23. I do the gluten-free egos. Those are thing, Those things are low calorie. The things we're learning about <laughs> you, Dale, are <laughs> constantly <laughs> fascinating. Look at this mandatory listening for right? everybody in the compound. The gluten-free the egos. I didn't know they like made 70 them. calories a piece. Let alone that you love them. Yeah. Like, what it's a like great 140 thing. calories for breakfast. This is beautiful. <laughs> it is. And they're gluten-free, so they soak up the, the <coughs> syrup real good. Like one, one like freaking ounce of syrup goes a long way in the gluten-free ego world. Do you remember in the movie Wayne's World when they were hanging and Alice Cooper started giving uh, incredibly detailed information yes. Yes. on the, yeah. the, the historical reference of the name Mealy Wake? Each time I hang out with Dale Jr., <laughs> I have one of those moments. <laughs> and the gluten-free what do you ego. Think? I'm so, you, I just the squ- amount of so history you brought. No, I just there's so many more dimensions to you. We're I, we're walking. It's snowing in in Minnesota, and we're walking down the street. And I asked, like, oh, I wonder what that is. And Dale drops some. He had like a paragraph of historical information <laughs> on what I thought was the most random thing ever. <laughs> And he, I just look over him, and he's like, "Yeah, cool. Let's just keep going." Like, what? what just happened, man? How do you? Never mind. Okay, let's just keep going. Yeah, it's always like that. I yeah. love that about you. So you're getting the band back together with with Stevie, and where NASCAR is racing this weekend, Michigan was mm-hmm. a significant place for both you and Latart. You guys won there in 2012. That was a big moment. Your first win together. Rutt asked you to name the two people who finished behind you in your two Michigan wins during yeah. NASCAR America. And you knew it like right off the bat, which I think surprised you as totally. well. Totally. Yeah. Can you do that with all 26 of your career wins? Maybe. <laughs> really? Yeah. So Rutt's right. This like ability to just like retain knowledge it, and information. Dale is has information, Nate, that you absolutely That's will not see coming. All right, so that's one of those things like if I said, give me the lyrics to this song, yeah, you couldn't do it. But if a song in your phone, you mm-hmm. might not be able to do it, write it down. But if I played it on the radio or you're riding around in your car, you could sing it word for word, you know? So that's kind of how you retain some of that information. It's not, I don't know if I could say 
you know, I don't know if I could write it down on a sheet of paper, everybody that ran second in every win, but if I watched a clip of the race, it would spur that knowledge. And go, I'm, I'm going to yeah. guess 75%. If you if we showed you like a four-second clip of each I race I could do win. every one. If I get four seconds of every win, I could do I could probably do 100%. Wow. That's impressive. That is. That is. I don't know if you guys have watched the NBA playoffs, but LeBron has this incredible photographic memory. Yeah. Like they asked him, did you see this press mm-hmm. conference? It was, I think it was in the, in the Eastern Conference. You knew all the plays or something. Yeah, they asked him about, like, can you describe what happened in the four-minute stretch where, you know, it went from four-point lead you guys to being ten, ten down, and he could remember every single thing that happened, like down to yeah. the second. It was crazy. Kinda crazy. And he basically He's was like, I passed it to JR, and that was right. a huge yeah. mistake. <laughs> <The> art, <laughs> that one might be more memorable. cost us the whole series. That one series. might be more memorable. He rebounded it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> You would you would think yeah, that is amazing, but at the same time, speaks to his greatness. You know, and for no, sure. You know, he's one of the best players ever. You know, so. yeah. it, but in that same way, it also that speaks to your ability to remember. Because how many how many cup wins do you have? Twenty six. Twenty six. And I do believe with four seconds of footage from one of those races. Oh yeah, I believe that too. You could figure <laughs> out. You might be able to give us like a top five because you mm, remember. No. I can't tell you top five, third place finish. But you remember well. You a lot can't of these times you'll remember like, oh yeah, no, we passed Tony on you know lap three twelve, but yeah. it, I didn't catch up with Casey till three forty two. What mm-hmm. like that's what fascinates me is that they're so ingrained in you for those experiences and those moments because they were, I mean they they played out on this huge stage for you. Yeah. So of course you're gonna remember some of those, mm-hmm. but the detail is what blows me away. That's cool. So another big topic today, uh, competition-wise, was cup drivers in the Xfinity Series. Yeah. And you made a really good point, Dale, that I want to give you a chance to expand upon. We obviously know what Kyle Busch thinks about cup drivers in Xfinity. We know what you and, and your sister Kelly, who runs Junior Motorsports, what you guys think about cup drivers in Xfinity. We don't really hear about, as you mentioned, what Jeremy Clements thinks, or JD Motorsports, or GMS, or Jimmy yeah. Deans' team, or Colleg Racing, or TriStar, or whatever. All those mid-level teams that a lot of them don't really have cup affiliations, but they're vested in the Xfinity series. We don't really know like what their opinion is. Not knowing what it would be, uh, let's think about like how would their opinions matter and maybe guide the course of like what NASCAR maybe should do. Yeah, I think the the ultimately you're going to end up to where you go, you funnel all the way down to the fans' opinion. It's what the fan wants to watch. Yep. And the races don't happen without people watching them or wanting to come to them. So it all funnels down to, okay, ultimately the fans need or want this, mm-hmm. okay? But we haven't, I haven't, maybe somebody has, um, but I haven't heard uh, a good solid um, idea of where those teams are, the teams that are vested in that series, that run in that series every single year, the single car teams that run from, you know, 10th to 20th. What do they think about uh, the cup drivers coming in there and knowing that that knocks them down a few pegs? What does that matter to them on, as far as their bottom dollar over the course of a season? And does it help them that they're there or not? And 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 so to hear their opinion doesn't really change the whole argument because it's always going to come down to what the fan thinks. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it would help um, – to understand if it's hurting, you know, if it's not hurting them, that's good to know. Right. But if it right. does hurt them, if it does make it more challenging for them financially, then that's that's also important information to know. Um, it's it's not really I like this or I don't like that. It all it's going to come down to two things: money and the fans. And what does it do to the bottom dollar? Some of these teams, 
I think that we should have, I think we should just come down to a decision where there's invitation races for the cup guys. Mm-hmm. And I can think of five immediately. The first day, the first race at Daytona, maybe even the second race at Daytona, uh, both Charlotte races, Indy. Um, there's, there's a couple tracks that I think are big tracks that the drivers, the, the cup drivers need to be extended an invitation to, to be able to run in those Xfinity races. Um, and to me, uh, that gives guys like myself who want to run. I want to run a race or two because it helps my company. Uh, Kyle wants to run a race or two because he likes to win races, but he also likes to help his company, at Joe Gibbs. Right. Those sponsorships that, uh, partnerships that Kevin Harvick likes to cultivate, uh, that he has used, he's used his Xfinity uh, races to build relationships with partners that are long-term. And guys that can't, guys that want to be in uh, involved in NASCAR, this is a great entry for them. And that's how Kevin's been able to build a lot of great relationships. He wants to be able to compete, right? And give that, you know, take those, you know, take the Hunt brothers guys to Victory Lane and and build these relationships and so forth that are turning into Cup Series sponsorships for him, right? So these, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why Cup guys want to run in the Xfinity Series besides, oh, I like winning. Right, <coughs> or I like dominating. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, so I understand that side of the argument because I'm also one of those guys who who wants or needs to run in the series. Um, but I think it would be cool if we try to change the narrative from "Hey, I'm going to limit you" to "I'm going to invite you." I'm going right. to turn it into an invitation of uh, uh, these events for you guys, and to m- showcase them to make that special. Uh, yep, for yeah. what that is exactly. That's so, and that's why th- that's why the fans know what they're getting. Man, when I turn it, when I go to this race, there'll be cup guys there. Yeah. When I go to this race, there won't be any cup guys there. Right. It's, it's cut and dried. And, and sponsors too, right? Sponsors. Like Xfinity sponsors, I know probably the Xfinity only sponsors probably say, well, you know, it would be better if cup guys weren't around because then our our drivers can do better. But if you know they're just going to be in these few races, yeah. And maybe your chances diminish because you know the cup guys are just in those races, but. Those are big races in stature, and if your guy does well as an Xfinity-only team in that race yeah. with those guys in it, that's going to be better for everybody. Yeah. Right? The interesting thing that I believe there's a variable that you could figure out there because I wonder, too, for a team that says, hey, we're a, um, a 15th place team when there's a cup driver here, we're a top 10 when there's not a cup driver here, if you look at each sponsor and say, okay, so why are you on this car and what are you, what are you getting out of what we're proposing – is having someone like Kyle Busch in the race, which may or may not deliver higher ratings and thus more exposure for that car, even getting 15th versus 10th. There, I wonder, because at some point you'll say, oh, well, if you have cup drivers in this race, maybe there are X amount of viewers. And if you have no cup drivers in this race, is there a discernible difference in the ratings viewership-wise? Because those those sponsors want that, that exposure, right? They yeah. want to be able to see it. And so somebody's got to say... You know, they, that old, like, no no exposures, bad exposure. Someone says, look, if we wrecked in 30th, but we wrecked because Kyle Busch dumped us, then we're going to make it on every broadcast right. for the guy that made Kyle mad, and then everybody saw Ever Ready or whoever the sponsor is, right? So I wonder what that shakedown is, and maybe you know better from, from talking to sponsors. Do, do they feel like there's a difference? When, when you've had a, a cup driver in your car for a weekend, is that something because a team said, no, we want we – want 
this person in in the Hellman's car or whatever it was, or is it something that kind of worked out for everybody? Our business model right now is we run four full-time teams that compete for the championship, and our sponsors like to compete for wins, you know. And so it's tougher for our teams to win races when we're competing against cup guys. I, I mean, they're the best drivers, and they're in great race cars. So that's you – know, we go to Dover and uh, run up front and battle for the win. This is way better for our company, yeah. you know, than to be running third at Dover behind a couple cup guys. Um, we almost sort of get lost in the in the in the story, and you know, guys like Jeremy Clemens and these other JD Motorsports so forth definitely are in the shadows. And 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 if they, and if they can't, you know, if they get an opportunity to run in the top ten, that's a big storyline for them. Much less win a race like you know we saw last year at the road course. I I think that excluding the cup drivers, and I don't know that this has been a conversation that NASCAR has had, but I don't think excluding the cup drivers completely is a good idea at all. I think that that hurts the series. I don't think you need to make it, uh, you know, this is a feeder series and no cup drivers allowed. I don't think you need to put limits on it like, you know, nobody inside the top 20 in cup points can compete. I don't like that. Uh, trying to say you can't do this or you're not allowed right. is never going to win, never going to be a good look for anybody. To turn it around maybe and make it more of an invitational kind of thing and and – the the throwback weekend at Darlington allow Cup guys to compete in those races and and uh, I've already na- named six off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, and the seat there. You know, that's I think that's a better direction maybe to to appease everyone. Do you think if if we do that uh, in hand in hand should go with that that we need to get back to some of those tracks that are non Cup driver races potentially for this idea? Meaning instead of running, you know, I've never thought Xfinity at at, at Indy is a great race for yeah. me to watch. Watching those guys at, at I, IOP and ORP, I used to remember people saying like, "Oh man, as soon as practice is done, we got to get over there." Oh yeah, you know, like, do you think that other hand of of trying to create a more invitational idea for Xfinity Series for some of those Cup guys would also be to to maybe take the guys that are the Xfinity regulars and do some of the more grassroots kind of feeling that that a feeder series typically would. That would be stepping that would be taking a step backwards as far as what we could acquire sponsor sponsored uh for sponsorship for those races mm. when we go to to the when we go to the big track at Indy we get a larger uh we're going to get a bigger number in our partnership with our sponsors than we would if we raced at ORP and what and for people who don't know why is that well it's just cuz Indy's a big track and we're racing with the cup teams where it's a, it's bigger exposure um, because of the, the the history of the track, it's harder to sell this race to a sponsor at ORP. Okay. Even though I think the majority of everyone that you might poll would say that they'd rather watch that race. Isn't that funny? I know. It's strange <laughs> because it's a bit of a, a you know, rock and a hard place. I would love to take my cars and race at ORP. I'd love to be, as an owner, I'd love to go over there and, and race there instead. Yeah. Than the big indie track. Because you also know if, if a car gets wrecked, you can fix it. I just <laughs> I just know that it's going to be. <laughs> right? Like from top to bottom, everything about that would be a different experience. I just know that there's, you know, I love short track. That's my preference yeah. really more than anything. I love short track racing. I know it's going to be an exciting race to watch. Sure. I got some cars out there. That's great. Going to have some fun. But I know for a, my business and our business model, it's better for us to be at the big track. 
uh, they made some changes to the package there, you know, to help that last year make that a bit more exciting, a bit better race to watch. So there's some good possibilities down the road for for our sport at, at Indy specifically. But it you have to just look at dollars and cents and whether it's you know y y can we go to Nashville Fairgrounds? Can we go to you know, we do go to Iowa. We yeah. make Iowa work. We do go run standalone road course races. We make that work. It's tough. Sure. Uh, it's more challenging for us to, to to get partners for those events. But we do make it work. Um, I would love to see Xfinity races at Nashville Fairgrounds. I think we belong there. Amen. You know, but can we make it work on the bottom dollar? Can we, can we live in the series and survive? We're breaking even right now. Sure. With our model. Um, on our sponsorships with our cars, can we make? Can we survive at those racetracks? Yeah. Taking, you know, if we leave Kansas or Charlotte, or if we leave one of these big mile and a halfs and go to Nashville, can we? Can we survive as a company? That's an. It's the question. And can you have to answer? Can a smaller team, to your point? I think the smaller teams could survive. I think they would be able to survive a change like that. It would be more difficult for the bigger teams who are budgeted at a bigger number to take that hit. These, no kidding. Uh, these younger teams, uh, or the, I mean, not the younger teams, but these smaller teams are resilient. They are creative. They're they resourceful. make, yes, yeah. they make so, so little work and go so far for them that they would be able to make that adjustment, I think, more confidently, confidently than I would as an owner. Is there anything you can do at looking at your business model to be more like? Yeah, we would have to. I mean, yeah. we would have to adjust to survive it. And we would we would be able to, but it would be difficult. It's an interesting discussion because I feel like NASCAR, candidly, maybe privately, would admit that the move to Indy from ORP that was not a racing-based move. No, that was a fine. That was a business that decision. Was a business I mean, because yeah. if you look at the last few races they ran at ORP, those were some of the best Xfinity races. A amazing races. Yeah, I mean, and we all talked about it. That's what those are the mem memories that I have is like being at Indy and talking about the tr track that was across yeah. town. Yeah, and seeing those differences. But yeah, those are th things that I never thought what would be the difference because in my mind good racing must equal great exposure but i guess it's different when you're well i don't know that we i things. don't know that we're winning over where uh, over the big track i don't know that we are winning from a financial standpoint sure that's a lot to this stuff isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> no, we could probably talk here for another half hour but well, we all, there's a lot of things that happen in nascar that always seem to get rolled back and and maybe one day we we say hey you know let's Maybe we don't. You know, maybe Xfinity does belong on the short track over there, or RP, and we end yeah. up back over there. Yeah. Well, I feel like we solved some of the world's problems here. On <laughs> NASCAR totally. America debrief, which I w wasn't really. It started really, it, yeah, you know, <laughs> fun and upbeat, and then we ended on a very serious this tone. Was a, then this let was me tail of two podcasts. Let right me ask here. this question: It really is. Could we? Could the three? Are you of us bringing us back up? Yeah. Here's what I'm wondering: <laughs> Could the three of us plan? You are two of the guys that I work with and are friends with that have some of the most eclectic musical tastes. Yes. Uh, and most of the people we work with, minus Kyle Petty, are not that way. <laughs> so could the three of us and maybe Kyle to plan uh, to a couple cup weekends go see some good shows. Dang right! Could I, we do that? I, I love cons. Yeah, I want to. I'm doing that. Man. We were in Korea. We're having <laughs> dinner, by the way, in Korea, and I asked Dale about some band, and without skipping a beat, he's like, "Oh, dude, no, we'll go see him. Let's we'll just look at the schedule. You, me, Blaney will probably go. He likes him." And I sat there. I was like, "We're on the other side of the world, but he, music is so passionate and such a big thing to Dale Jr. He's like, "No, no, let's plan it. I'll go. We'll look at it." We'll go after yeah. qualifying. We'll be back that night. No problem. <laughs> okay. I'm in, dude. I'd love to. 
I just got into going to concerts because I wouldn't go to them. I, I've loved music all my life, but I didn't go to many concerts. And, and I would go, I don't want to go to a concert, all them people. and I don't, know. <laughs> I don't like them as much. You know, but I don't know if there's good live. But I started going to concerts in the last probably two years, and now I can't get enough. It's crazy because yeah. you get to see – I love and, and honestly I should ha- I'm so mad this. at myself because I should have Because I bet there's a ton of bands that you wish you had seen. Like there's no exactly. way you saw Nirvana live. Nope. Oh, so the, okay. So Nirvana's playing at Silverdome in Atlanta, and me and a, I'm going to community college at Mitchell and Statesville, automotive. We're in the middle of the damn <laughs> shop, awesome. Working on some truck that had a bunch of water in the oil, and my buddy and I had decided to go. And right at the last minute, he backed out on me. I was me and him were going to drive down and buy a ticket and and try to get in and watch Nirvana one time. And I wasn't even really a concert going back there, back then. And my damn buddy backed out on me, so we didn't go. And, and man, and then last no, it didn't have that opportunity again. Never had a chance to see him again. My parents wouldn't let me go see them, and and it was the the year before. Wow, and you Kurt obeyed your parents' wishes. <laughs> I know. I sh- well, I need a ride too. <laughs> You're a Nirvana fan, but yet obeying your I know. parent. It's That's weird. Strange. That's that a your, weird like a thing, unicorn. right? They wouldn't let me go see Grateful Dead, and it was the last year that Jerry so, was alive. I just I kept missing concerts. You're, that, so. you're you're unique in the fact that you're a Grateful Dead fan, a Nirvana fan, yet obeyed your parents very sharply. I know, and and uh, I d- <laughs> never would, did any recreational would. drugs. It's a lot. It's a, when you add it all up, you're like, this is a lot of weird stuff on paper. Get this: I used to ride my bicycle in Birmingham to the CD store called Magic Platter, and uh-huh. it was like a used CD store, and I would buy parental advisory. Uh, albums before like they were really checking uh-huh. IDs and stuff but then I'd have to stop on the way home and I would carry a paint pen with me Get and I'd have know. to I'd have to black out Get the out parental advisory sticker because if my mom saw it she's going to throw it away unreal it was such a big like I remember having to yeah I remember having to hide the oh man because the two live crew yes tape. oh gosh really <laughs> oh, I wasn't God, that my. bad that being caught with that would have been big trouble because it was the one that was on the yes. news all the time I was like covered out there was a jackal album where it swayed it was like hung up on a clothesline yeah. I had that one there was uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot I think it was Mac Daddy was yep. the album but or maybe Testarossa he's sitting with the door open and so I got a ruler and I just covered like the bottom corner of the whole wow. thing so you never knew I was, pr- I was pretty good at it you I, know? I did not think we would branch into it as nasty as they want to be <laughs> who would have thought hey this, this man here like you said oil. eclectic it, it mm-hmm. applies i've never been so nervous as my parents finding out <laughs> <laughs> there's no yeah there's no coming back for that <laughs> that's just fear yeah so that's it let's go to a concert all right, all right. i'm gonna i'm gonna get on my app and are you gonna go with us plot it out i'm gonna try yeah, i mean please do. You, you might not like the music i like no way I'm, I've tend to. We should do a deal where it goes in order. <laughs> that you pick, you pick, you pick, and we go. We go to try idea. to experience each okay. other's musical right. interests. That's a great idea. I'll get on my Bands in Town app. Yes, yes. Bands in Town is. Oh, right. you ever use yeah. that? I get it's the emails. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Check this I out. Are we gonna get like? Are we gonna get in the pit together? What's gonna happen? <laughs> Hey man, depends I'm on up who for we're whatever. This one yeah. time, this yeah. one it time. Depends on who we're you never seeing. know. Once you get in there, you think you know how you're going to react. Once you get in that, in that mood, man. I know. It just you just got to just got to let it go. I like when you jump Once into you start a pit hearing somewhere, the music, and then you just get suddenly spit you back out. What you're you're like, that do. was a bad idea. I'm going to wait here. <laughs> Those four seconds of fury. I'm out. Yeah. Nate, well, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here, guys. I just have to tell my Nirvana story really quick. Oh, as please. Well. Yeah. please. Fall of 91, my, I was a freshman at Northwestern, and this was right before Smells Like Teen Spirit broke. They played, I believe, the Riviera in Chicago, and I had a chance to go. 
and I didn't. And <sighs> I had some buddies who went, and they said that maybe 50 people were there night, that night. This was like October of 91, like right before. So Bleach had they went been bit. out, but that's the only one. Bleach right? had been out, and Nevermind had just come out like maybe a couple months earlier, I think like in August. So Unbelievable. Anyway, that's my Nirvana story. So. <sighs> With Man, that, I thought we were going to end on a high note, but I feel <laughs> I like know, we've just got a, we have three people with concert regret. This is a to be continued. Yes. I think so. There's a lot yeah. here. I think we're, you're right. We're going to like make sure that like we correct that this year and find the band that we get to see before they get we're big. We're going to discover them. We're going to discover them and say we didn't miss. We missed Nirvana. All three of us did, but Let's we, we did it. see this one. Yeah. Let's do it. This Bieber kid apparently he's got <laughs> something going on. We'll look into him. All right. <laughs> Thanks for being here, guys. <laughs> Nate Ryan, you're the best. Thanks for listening to yeah. NASCAR America Debrief. Deep. I hope Thanks you for made listening it to far. NASCAR America hope, Debrief. I hope you made it. God, I didn't screw up till the very end. <laughs>and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.